We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Welcome to another episode of the Budding Heads Podcast. I'm here with Johnny Gomez. Johnny, how you feeling, man? I feel like I just talked to you. <laughs> we are recording these episodes back to back, so our, our <laughs> we just did a lot of talking. We're about to do a lot more talking. And of course, you can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Android Player FM, and of course, I Eat Beat Radio. Our show airs there Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific for you early risers out on the West Coast or for you guys having lunch on the East Coast. Now, we're going to get right into things. On this week's episode, we're going to talk about preseason players to watch. We're going to talk a little bit about John Sullivan, and we will get to the final five games of the schedule for the season just in time so that on the next shows, we can lock into the preseason and get going. Now, after weeks one through 11... I had the Rams going eight and three. Johnny had the ten and one. And Johnny, I gotta say, it feels good to not call you a homer for picking the Rams ten and one because we are probably gonna be favored in most of these games. 
well, that's what they called me all season long last season, and <laughs> I was pretty much the closest, if not the one that got it dead on last year. I don't remember. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I, you, you could call me a homer all you want, but they did last year, and look what happened. Yeah, I could tell you I definitely did not pick the Rams to go 11-5 last season. But very happy it happened, and I'm very happy that we could finally have some actual expectations going into the season without us kind of just blowing smoke up ourselves because we did that for a long, long time. Remember when we thought Jeff Fisher would get a winning record? <sighs> and all we got was 7-9 and nine oh, bullshit. We never even got it. That's what people will forget. We never even got to eight and eight. He's Mister Five Hundred. He never went eight and eight with the Rams. We never even got that far. Let's not think about that right now. <laughs> we had that one year where we were um, seven and eight, and we lost the Forty Nine ers last game of the year. And of course, we had the tie game, which was another thing. But anyways, let's get into some preseason talk before we hit the end of the schedule. This week, Ram Center John Sullivan. He left practice. Uh, it was kind of a scare because for a veteran, it could have been a very serious injury. Now, we know he's he's back at practice. We don't think that it will be recurring. But, Johnny, I know you want to talk about this because if this is recurring and if uh, Sullivan has to miss any time, I mean, how are you feeling about our team's death right now? Well, con- all things considering, you know, you have to look what's behind Sullivan. And one of the reasons why the Rams – opted to keep Sullivan was because during free agency, there really wasn't a whole lot of options. Uh, And, you know, since Sullivan was a free agent himself, the Rams needed to kind of lock him up. He actually performed a lot better than my expectations last season. And I think to many people's expectations. So if he continues to play on that high level, of course we want to see him on the field, but off the field, this is where it gets a little alarming because, you know, there are some guys behind him, you know, like uh, guys like Austin Blythe. Uh, obviously, the main guy that people are going to think about is rookie Brian Allen. But is he ready right now? I mean, we'd probably have to wait until the preseason to really, you know, determine that. Yeah, and because we're missing Jamon Brown for the first two games of the season – We're already likely going to be having a guy have to step in that we're not super confident in. Now, whether that's uh, No Boom or Brian Allen or Blythe or any of these guys, I don't don't feel great about who's going to be replacing Jamon Brown. And if we don't have Sully either, that's two starters on an offensive line for a team that kind of needs to win a lot of games early. I know know we're going to be fine. I know we're going to be good this year, and we've hashed it out with these schedules and how confident we are. But I, I wouldn't be thrilled if the team was missing two offensive linemen and I think the no boom and Brian Allen I think we can be confident in them but it you know would have been nice to have another vet kind of backing them up and I think just an offensive line injury obviously offensive line isn't the sexiest position but that can derail a season quickly if we lose one of these guys and the rookies aren't ready to step up so speaking of the preseason let's talk about guys that I think I'm, I'm going to have my eye on. And, Johnny, feel free to throw out any players you have in this. But the first guy I want to touch on is Gerald Everett. Now, I talked about Gerald with my guest Pierre Camus from Rotoballer in the last episode a little bit. And just, I 
there's not a ton of opportunity for him here, but he showed a lot of flashes last year. He was the Rams' top pick in 2017. Even though he was a second rounder, we didn't have our first round pick. I mean, this year our top pick was Nopum in the third round. I do you what what kind of strides do you want to see from Everett that'll make you feel better about him being hopefully the starting tight end going into the season? Just consistency in general. I mean, we've seen flashes of greatness with with Everett, and I think that's kind of why he had such you know a disappointing start to his career because we see it there. It's there. It's just consistency has never been there for him. And I think that's kind of why we uh, we really need him to be that impact player that he can be, you know, from catching the football, which, you know, he did drop a few quite a few passes last season. And that's something he really needs to improve on. I don't know if it's the nervousness or if he just, you know, doesn't have a really good hands. Either way, he needs to to rework that and I and I'm pretty confident that he can under McVeigh. I think McVeigh will get him to that point. But yeah, as long, he doesn't have to do anything special in particular, just be consistent. If he if he remains consistent, expect him to have a major boost from the past season. Yeah, and I I think he's just was a really raw player last year and he did show a lot of flashes and this is kind of going to sound like the opposite of what you were saying with consistency. When we get to the season, I'd like to see a couple Tavon Austin type games from Everett where you know, he just he comes out and he makes some great plays, scores a touchdown or two, and you're just like, okay, okay, I see why they, they were so high on this guy coming out. I, it's going to be tough for him to find consistent touches. It's going to be tough for him to find like a real steady amount of targets, but I would just like to see him make some plays in the preseason. I'd like to see him get a lot of time with the second unit too, just because I think he's a player that needs polish. And what I really don't want to see is, and I don't know how you feel about this, I don't want to see Tyler Higby as a starting tight end week one. I, I really do not want to see that. You know, Higby, I think, has kind of the same issue in in certain regards. But, yeah, if, if Higby ends up becoming the starter again, um, that just shows that McVeigh has absolutely no faith in this guy, and we might have a wasted pick there. And I think that's kind of the the biggest concern there. Yeah, you know, I think Higby will be fine as a backup tight end. I what we didn't take him super high, did he, did we? What was he like a fourth rounder? Um, yeah, he wasn't too high. Yeah, so you know, if he's a backup tight end for the duration of his rookie contract, I'm fine with that. Um, especially because we invested higher capital in uh, Gerald Everett the next season. It's kind of like when we went from Zach Stacy to Trey Mason to Todd Gurley because all uh, Trey Mason, for a variety of reasons, ended up being a wasted third-round pick. But because we got Gurley the next year and he's so good, it, it didn't really matter. And I think if Everett is a, is a starting tight end and is fine, I'm not going to lose sleep over wasting the Tyler Higby pick, but I do. I do think he'll be a. I think he'll have a somewhat long career in the NFL. I think he'll be a fine backup tight end. I could see him getting a second contract from another team. I don't know, but I want to see Everett get all of those targets. I don't want to see a lot of Higby this season. Now, speaking of players that I don't think are ever going to be good enough to be starters, and I don't know if you're going to like this, but Sean Mannion is on my watch list because. Should something happen to Jared Goff, I have 
absolutely no faith in Sean Mannion at this moment. Now, I I know I know you are you have been a bit of a Sean Mannion truther at times. I want to hear your response. You know, Sean Sean Mannion has had very little opportunities. He kind of had one towards the end of last season, the very last game of the season. He didn't really perform very well, and of course he didn't have the starting unit out there either. Um, But in terms of Mannion, I still think that this guy has potential, and I think, you know, if McVay didn't have any faith in him whatsoever, I think that McVay would have cut him this past offseason. I think McVay still sees something in this guy, and I think this is just kind of one of those things where Mannion may have lost his confidence a little bit just because he didn't win the starting role um, over Jared Goff, obviously. And, you know, I I don't know. Like, for me, I still have faith in the guy. Obviously, if Goff goes down, it's not going to be the same. But I do think that Mannion still possesses some skill. And, sure, I, I would definitely say this is a guy to watch because if Goff goes down, you know, hopefully not. But if he does... This is going to be the guy that's going to lead the team. Yeah, yeah, and knock on wood. I, I don't. I there's no reason to be concerned about Gop going down, but I really do want to see Mannion just light up some second units in the preseason. I want to see him showing like, hey, you know, if you need me, I'm here. Maybe even get a little trade value there. But I I just want to see this dude kind of decimate some second units. I want to see. I'd love to see him and Everett out there together, kind of just dominating. But you know, another quarterback that he's not as interesting as Mannion, but Luis Perez, the undrafted uh, rookie, out of he was a D two player, top player in D two last year, won the championship. Won I'm, I'm pretty sure he was uh, won won some prestigious awards down there, but he didn't get drafted. He's out at the Rams, and he's gotten a lot of buzz and a lot of press due to his Mexican heritage tying into the Mexico City game, obviously. Now, I, I don't know how much you have looked into Perez, but to me it seems like he's tracking to make the team. I don't know if you agree. You know, as far as Perez is concerned, he has quite a bit He has quite a bit of a way to go to make this roster. He has to have an absolutely amazing training camp, an amazing preseason and, you know, considering his accolades, even though it may not be a D1 school, you know, this this is a guy that might surprise you. There's always that kind of surprise player that makes a team. And who knows, maybe it might be Perez. And I, I'm, you know, one of the reasons why the buzz is kind of really high for this guy, especially from a L.A. perspective, is because L.A. does have quite a bit of a Mexican influence within the community so to have this guy make the team, this would be huge within the Mexican community. And honestly, being Mexican myself, I would love to see that happen. I would love to see him represent, you know, our ethnicity. And just, you know, because there isn't a whole lot of Mexican-American athletes on the uh, – or not even just on the Rams, but in the NFL in general. So for me, I'm rooting for this guy, but – uh, you know, from a realist perspective, he has quite the mountain to climb there. Yeah, and we'll see because, you know, he's got – he doesn't have to be that with Sean Man. He's got to be at Brandon Allen, 
who is the Rams. He's been the Rams backup quarterback for, since or third stringer since last year, but obviously he didn't see any time. But uh, I think it's doable. I think if he shows flashes, the the Rams would prefer him over Allen. Uh, the marketing department definitely would, and I think he's definitely a guy the team's rooting for. Uh, obviously, obviously, completely different circumstances, but you know, it's like when the Rams were rooting for Michael Sam to make the team when they drafted him, and obviously he didn't because he just didn't end up being good. But the same thing could happen for Perez. But I, do, I think he has some upside, and I think the Rams definitely want him to make the team. And if he's good enough to beat out Allen, then he has to deal with the question of, well, should they keep three quarterbacks on the roster? And because of what we just said about Sean Mannion, I would prefer that outcome. So he's he's definitely a guy I'm going to have my eye on. And um, we don't have to harp on him, but another preseason player, obviously friend of the podcast, Cody McElroy at tight end, who's a guy I'll be watching to see what he can do if he gets some time during preseason games. He's obviously a long shot to make the team as well. But like we said earlier, definitely a guy I want to see in the practice squad. Before we continue, guys, it's summertime in Southern California, which means sun, hot weather, and visits to the pool. If you got a pool and you're looking to remodel, resurface, or if you just want a pool, you got to check out Jayhawk Pool Plaster and Remodeling at 4780 East Wesley Avenue in Anaheim, California. Jayhawk Pool Plastering and Remodeling serves Orange County in the Southland and is run by Jayhawk, the eldest son of former Ram John Hawk and the brother of Jim Hawk, the writer of Hollywood's team. He built this business on the mantra of fantastic results and amazing customer service. Head over to jayhawkpools.com and take a look at their work. You can see the quality in their finishes and the testimonies provided by past customers. If you're looking to remodel, resurface, or put in a new pool, give Jayhawk a call at 714-695-0700. Again, 714-695-0700. You can also email them at info at jayhawkpools.com. Folks, this is an opportunity to support the podcast, support a member of the Ramley, and to just better your pool and better your yard. If you live out in the area, give Jayhawk Pool and Plastering a call. Definitely won't regret it. And, of course, we are looking for sponsors for the upcoming 2018 NFL season. This is a great, inexpensive way to get the word out on your business. Our numbers are growing crazy fast right now. Getting in early will definitely save you some money. And once the team is getting a little buzz, we're going to get more buzz. That price is going to go up. So reach out today, ramstalk1945 at gmail.com, or leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We're going to media kit out to you as soon as we can. My last guy for my players to watch, and then we get to any you have, Johnny, is Dominic Easley. He's back from injury. The Rams brought him back. And right now, considering who's not at Rams camp, Easley's going to get a chance to show what he can do. I, I think Easley is is a kind of guy that you want on your team healthy. And I think that's kind of the issue with, with him being on the Rams roster is he can't seem to stay healthy. If he is and if he is healthy, if he ends up being 100%, which, you know, jury's still out on that, this is going to be a scary depth as well as a scary, you know, starting lineup. So... I'm not even sure, you know, you may even have situations where he might be, you know, starting depending on which team he's playing up against. So I, th- I think he's that good, honestly. I-, I feel like he's a very underrated player on on the team. It's just he hasn't been able to prove what he can do because, you know, of his health issues. So, yeah, I absolutely agree. This season's going to determine 
you know, if he's going to be 100% going into the season. And not only that, is he the same player before he got injured? Yeah, and, you know, he was good with the Rams in 2016. They provide providing depth behind Donald and Brockers. So I, I'm excited to see him. I think he will be if he's healthy, and that's a big if because he's he's had a lot of concerns throughout his career. But I, I have high expectations for Easley. I think that, it, he, like you said, he might start against some teams. He might start permanently if Donald doesn't show up. But, yeah, I'm excited to see Easley. Now, is, is there any other guys that you had your eyes on going into preseason? Plenty, actually. It, I Believe it or not, there, there's a, a lot of guys on this roster that, you know, are kind of on the bubble, you know, or if not on the bubble on starting, you know, on the bubble of making the roster in general. Um, but, you know, it's hard not to be excited about the rookies, and I might be cheating by saying one of the rookies, but I'm going to say it anyway. I personally am looking forward to seeing what John Franklin Myers does. I really think I have a really good feeling about this guy. Uh, and I and I told Derek and Norm when we first drafted him, you know, obviously he wasn't a big name. And after I did a little bit of research, saw a little bit of tape of him, I, you know, honestly, I got chills because I think that this guy is going to be one of the gems of, of this year's draft. I, I'm really excited to seeing what John Franklin does. Uh, what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I'm excited for John Franklin. And, you know, he's a guy similar to uh, Dominic Easley where we, we kind of need him to step up and be a contributor. And I think really the three rookies on defense, kind of the big three, which would be John Franklin Myers, um, Micah Kaiser and a man whose name I may never be able to pronounce, Ogbania Okoronkwo. Uh, all three of those guys could now. Uh, Okoronkwo and Kaiser have easier paths to starting jobs, I would say, just because of who's in front of them. But Franklin Myers, he's a guy who he's got a lot of potential, and I think he could kind of step in to the first lineman in the rotation off the bench and maybe even a starter if Donald's not there. But what what stands out to you about Franklin Myers? You know, after seeing his tape, I just love his motor. I, I think this is a guy that is going to be, you know, he's still a little bit raw, obviously. and But I think he can only get better. And especially when you consider he has one of the best mentors you can possibly ask for. I really think that this guy is going to step up and maybe he may not start, but I do think that he's you're going to see him on the field a lot more than what people anticipate. I just have a really good feeling about this guy. I really think that you know he he may be the future if if he works hard at it and if he's a fast learner. Yeah, and you know I kind of I kind I'm also excited about Micah Kaiser too, really, just because the guy was a gamer. He at Virginia. He was first-team AP All-American in 2016. He's just a, a good football player that's quick to diagnose a play and at a position of need. And while he doesn't have the mentors that Franklin Myers has, I think that he could be the, the first linebacker off the bench in the rotation and maybe even start, depending on how Ramick Wilson uh, transitions into his role with the team. But, yeah, I I think the rookies are all going to be interesting to watch, and even the guys in the O-line, too. It's... There's a lot going on for this team going into the offseason, I'd say. 
or the preseason. I do have uh, I do have a couple more that I want to say, Let's but I'll him. stick with just. Uh, I just want to stick with just one because uh, we'll be here all day if I if I if I say <laughs> all of them. But uh, you know, the other guy that I'm really really interested in seeing on the field is Sam Shields. You know, this yes. is a guy that is a former starter, and you know he's he's obviously regressing into a role. Uh, into just a simple role player now but I'm curious because this is a guy that really didn't play and you know the in the past what two seasons really yeah this Um, is two seasons it's been I believe yeah so Sam Shields I'm curious to see if if he actually comes back to just a little bit of the player that he was man we even have a scary depth I mean we're not even talking about Nickel Roby Coleman. If this is the same Sam Shields, you know, at least, you know, the declining Sam Shields, this is this is a scary depth chart for cornerback. Sam- uh, so I'm really interested. Yeah. Yeah, and I believe Sam Shields signed before some of the big accusations happened in acquisitions. There was no accusations here. Um, and some of the big acquisitions in the secondary happened. But it couldn't have worked out more perfectly for Shields, I believe, because he's not going to be asked to be out there every play. He's going to be able to stay healthy. He's going to be able to get on the field in situations. He's going to be able to spell Talib and Marcus Peters when they need it. And like you said, if if he's good, if he's even close to as good as he used to be, you got Talib, Peters, and Roby Coleman as the main three, and then you got Sam Shields spelling them. That is some scary, scary depth. And this... This cornerback tandem here, more than a tandem, I mean this this secondary is going to be crazy. Even even if Shields doesn't come out and look healthy and look like he used to, but if he does, man, I mean, whew, it's going to be fun to watch. All right, before we get to the last stretch of our schedule preview, let's give a quick shout out to one of our sponsors. Most of us are practically addicted to anything Los Angeles Rams. If you want to learn more about the history of the Rams with a bit of a personal touch, you got to check out Jim Hawk's book, Hollywood Team, Glit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. This book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of John Hawk, author Jim Hawk's dad, who played offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out the era of Glitz, Glamour, and future Hall of Famers about a son's story about his father and the team he played for. Read about players like Norm Van Brocklin, Crazy Legs Hirsch, Tom Fierce, Les Richter, and others in this story spanning the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find the book at HollywoodSteams.com and on Twitter at HollywoodSteam. It's available in both hard book, hardback, and electronic form at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. You can also find Hollywood Steam through various other booksellers on the internet. I definitely recommend you guys read this book. It's absolutely worth your time. That's Hollywood Steam, Grit glamour and the 1950s los angeles rams by jim hawk all right so the rams are coming off a of bye week after week 11 i have the rams at eight and three johnny had them at 10 and one let's get into the last five games starting with the detroit lions on the road week 13 first game off the bye and a game that i just <laughs> i no offense detroit but i just i'm not that interested in this game um, do you, what do you, do you think the lions, can you see them getting back to the playoffs this year? I mean, they've been on the bubble. They've been in the playoffs. They haven't been bad over the last couple of years, but for some reason, I just, I can't really see the lions in the playoffs this year. How do you, how do you feel? 
the whole division is kind of a question mark. But no, I, I don't think the, the Lions are going to get back to the playoffs. I, I think that they're going to be overthrown. And honestly, I just I there isn't much going for them. They really didn't do much this offseason. They have they do have some good players, obviously, uh, but I don't know if they've done enough to really make a significant difference to their squad. Yeah, I I love the carry on Johnson pick. I think that was a nice nice little upside pick there. And they also brought in LeGarrette Blunt, who I guess the two of them together would be my, my players of interest here. Just it's <laughs> just like it's just not not that great. But I carry on Johnson, they took him in the second round. LeGarrette Blunt they signed. Uh, they still have Theo Riddick who's not going anywhere in the passing game, and they still have Amir Abdullah who might not make the team. Now, Blunt in particular, this is a guy who goes into expectation list situations and kind of just shows out and becomes a valuable player, and then he goes somewhere else and kind of does the same thing. Are we going to see a repeat of the whole LeGarrette Blunt situations here, or do you think that – I don't know. How, what, do you, what do you think this backfield is going to look like given the kind of surprising depth they have here? But – surprise or not a lot I guess in my opinion not really somebody that sticks out well I I will say Blunt definitely does really well in a running back by committee type of environment so I think he has that going for him but is it a huge threat (sighs) maybe against terrible run defenses but you'd have to be really, really terrible, in my opinion, because in my personal opinion, they really don't have a running back that is all that threatening, which obviously is the reason why they're doing running back by committee. So is it really that big of a threat? Not really, in my opinion. Uh, Personally, my player of interest is kind of a guy that I'm just kind of a fan of, and that's um, uh, Ezekiel Anza. If I yeah. think I'm pronouncing that right. But, um, yeah, I, I think that this is a guy that to watch out for, especially because you're going to want to protect your, your star quarterback there. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I think he's going to challenge the offensive line quite a bit. So he's kind of my player of interest. But even then, I'm not even that concerned because I'm just – I don't think they really have that strong of a defense either. Yeah, and Ansa's obviously a really good player, and they they do have some guys. Like, Golden Tate is underrated. Matthew Stafford, I think, has been underrated for a long time, and he's one of the few quarterbacks who, when the going gets tough, you're confident that he could get you a win, which is weird considering how not that much winning the Lions have done with him there. But he, he is a clutch performer. And, but in terms of being worried about this game, I had this 13th out of 16. And that honestly feels kind of high. It is the lowest game for a non-division opponent. And I know we talk about not trying to disrespect our division opponents, but that's kind of some blatant disrespect. But coming off a bye week, um, playing against the Lions team who doesn't seem that inspiring, I have no real concerns about this game. I got it as a win. I'm sure you do too, correct? Yeah, there's no way I'm marking this as a loss. Yeah, absolutely not. And 
I don't know if this is unpopular, but I think the Lions are going to finish fourth in the division this year because next week we travel to Chicago, staying in the Midwest for a matchup with the Bears, who were not very good last year, but I think a, a lot of our staff here are high on the Bears uh, for some reason. I don't know why. It's just, I just have a good feeling about them. I know Derek does too. They have a good defense. What? How do you feel about the Bears? I don't know if I'm quite as high on them as Derek is, but I will say that they are a team that you shouldn't take lightly. And I will agree. By the way, I love mention there. Um, <laughs> I, will, I will agree, though, because of the rise of the Bears, I will say that I think that the Lions are going to finish fourth. I do think that the Bears are on the rise. But I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm quite at that point yet where they'd be that much of a threat to a team like the Rams. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not really concerned about this game, but I, I do just, I like the moves the Bear, the Mares made, the who, the Bears made, um, bringing in, they hired a nice coach, they brought in Allen Robinson, um, Trey Burton, who, I'm not sure how high I am on him yet, but he's a good player that that I think will fit in fine. But yeah, I just I think they're going to be a dark horse playoff contender. Now I I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I I'm not ready to say that, but I think they can kind of emerge as like a feeling good eight and eight, nine and seventeen, just with that defense and with some of the weapons they brought in. And my player interest here is Mitch Trubisky guy who didn't look that great last year, but they brought in an offensive-minded head coach here. Do you think there's any chance he could kind of emerge as this year's Jared Goff? No. (laughs) What? (laughs) Not not at all. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I do think Trubisky doesn't get the respect he deserves, but I, I don't know for him to kind of put him in the kind of league as, Jared Goff, I I would find that extremely hard to believe, especially considering, you know, there's receivers that he has to work with. Uh, He does have a few guys like Allen Robinson might be, you know, there if he can stay consistent. Kevin White, if he taps into his potential, which he hasn't really, you know, there's Anthony Miller, I guess. I'm not really all that confident in Trubisky, to be honest. I'm more concerned about the running the running backs there because I feel like the running back by committee here, you know, the Jordan Howard, you know, um, the Tarek Cohen, I'm kind of more along the lines concerned about them because I feel like these guys have the potential to be like one of those outbreak, you know, week by week, you know, players that you know, don't always perform, but when they do, they perform really, really well. And if either Cohen or or uh, Howard become one of these, you know, players against the Rams, this could be a lot closer than we think. But I still, even if they do have one of these games, I'm, not, I'm still not, you know, that threatened by them either. And no mention of Benny Cunningham, I see, when you're talking about the running backs. Uh, uh a <laughs> uh, lot, lot to unpack here about the Bears. Uh, well, I'll start with the running backs. I really do like Jordan Howard a lot. 
I, I think he's gotten a little bit of disrespect here. And fantasy-wise, he's going as like a third-round pick, which I think is fantastic value for Jordan Howard. And I think it'll be more of a Jordan Howard is really a feature back with Cohen kind of being more of a weapon type, lining up at receiver. Obviously, he'll get some work out of the backfield. Um, when push comes to shove, he will be the receiving back. But I don't think it's going to be a situation where – Howard comes out every time there's a passing down because I do think they want to mix him in on that. In terms of the receivers, I really like Allen Robinson. I think Taylor Gabriel, who they brought in, is an underrated player. And Anthony Miller, we'll see. Uh, Kevin White, I'm sorry, it's never happening. It's never happening. (laughs) Uh, I I go over this a lot with my Bears fans. It's never happening. And I would love to eat crawl on that because he's dealt with a lot of adversity, but I just don't see it. With Trubisky, you know, I think we are going to butt heads a little bit here because I I don't think he's going to be as good as Jared Goff, and I don't think this Bears team will be as good as the Rams team. But I could see it with a new coach, Matt Nagy, who obviously has had a lot of success dealing with quarterbacks. I can see him really getting the best out of Trubisky, and I think he could make Goff like strides where he went from a pretty poor rookie season to a pretty good sophomore season. Not, I don't think it'll be as crazy as Goff, and I don't think his rookie season was as bad as Goff's, so it'll be a little shorter there. But I, I don't know. I, I feel good about Trubisky. And I feel good about Matt Nagy kind of getting this to be a nice offense and a team that they might lose a lot of close games, but I think they're going to be in most of their games this year. Now, am I worried about this? No, I had this game ninth. I think it's going to be a win. I think it'll be a close win going into Chicago late in the season against a team that could be pushing for a playoff spot given how high me and Derek are on them. How worried are you about this one? You think we got a win here? I think it will be a lot closer than many might initially think. But in the end, uh, I'm not too, too concerned as long as the Rams don't go in with, you know, too confident. I think that this is going to be a win for the Rams. You know, it might be a hard-fought win, but in the end, I see like a 28-14 to 14 win. Yeah, I think this one might be a little closer, and I think it'll be a lower-scoring affair because I do like the Bears' defense. It's win- getting close to winter in Chicago. Uh, actually, well, December, right? So that is winter. Um, yep. But, yeah, I it's not a game I worry about that. Now, before we get into what might be the biggest game of the season, let's hear about one of our sponsors at the Golden Ram Barbershop. If you want to support one of your own businesses in the Orange County area, and if you want to support a member of the Ramley, and if you want an old school barbershop experience, you should check out the Golden Ram Barbershop at 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California, zip code 92683. Sal Martinez opened up his shop as a shrine of the Rams the day the team left for St. Louis, and he's kept the lights on ever since. He's by appointment only, so you got to give him a call at 714-894-RAMS. That's 714-894-7267. Use the promo code RAMSTALK. Tell Sal, he sent you, tell Sal that we sent you so that he knows he'll give you a discount on an already affordable haircut. And also, he knows he's talking to a true Rams fan that's really getting into the nitty-gritty of Rams content online. The Golden Ram Barbershop is open Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Saturday from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. One more time, give Sal a call at 714-894-7267. A visit to a shop is worth it just to enjoy all the Rams memorabilia there. But Sal also provides you with the old school barbershop experience and he'll talk Rams football with you. 
and everything you want to talk about. Trust me, guys. It's a great barber. You won't regret it. So, week 15, Sunday night football. The Rams host the reigning Super Bowl champion, Philadelphia Eagles, in a game that is going to most likely be crucial for playoff positioning and could determine the number one seed in the conference, potentially. Now, these are the defending champs coming into the season. And now I'm not talking about this game in particular for this question, but this season, who are you more confident is going to have a better record, us or them? Before I answer that question, I have to say the way you kind of introduced the Eagles there, I was kind of thinking about, you know, you announcing like Bruce Buffer. Are you familiar? <laughs> of course. Of course I'm, I'm familiar just thinking, with Bruce Buffer. The rating! Defending! <laughs> I'm like, whoa. That'd be awesome, actually. I, I would love to do that. To go. Yeah, Bruce need, needs to be in the NFL, don't you think? Yeah, and since uh, Bruce is UFC, right? Yep. So he got his gig from Michael Buffer, his brother, who did boxing, so... All I got to do is change my name to Stephen Buffer, and then I might get some gigs announcing. Why not, man? Why not? <laughs> but uh, going back to your original question there, um, do I think that the Rams will have a better record than the Eagles? Are we talking at this point or overall? I'm I'm just saying overall in the 2017 season, I mean, which team do you think will be the better team? And I guess record given that it's preseason predictions kind of factors into that. I'm I'm going to say I, I think the Rams will not only have a better record than the Eagles, but mark my words, I believe that the Rams will have, have the best record in football. Okay. Ah, <laughs> man, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Uh, this, so this, it's just tough for me to kind of rank the Rams ahead of the Eagles just because they kind of brought everyone back and they they were really, really good and they won the Super Bowl with their backup quarterback who, well, you know, with Nick Foles, there's like a 10% chance you get one of the greatest performances you'll ever see and we damn well got that in the Super Bowl. But with Carson Wentz coming back, um, whether it's at week one, whether it's week four, I give the Eagles a slight slight edge but i think it's very close and i think minnesota is right up there too it's gonna be crazy how good all three of these teams are gonna be minnesota i think has the most volatility given their quarterback situation but i really wish one of these teams was in the other conference um anyways my player of interest here and there's a lot a lot of ways you go but i went with jay ajay just because i always kind of think from a fantasy perspective and ajay Kind of similar to what we talked about with the Lions, who are seem like they're going to be go full blown committee. The Eagles lost Blunt, who went to the Lions. They traded for a Jai mid season last year, so it would have been surprising if they leaned on him fully as a feature back. But going into this season, how hard do you think they will lean on a Jai? Do you think that it'll be the same as last year, where they really have a full committee, or do you think it'll be more a Jai comes out? really as the early down back, and then we see some Corey, Corey Clement or Wendell Smallwood or a returning Darren Sproles mixed in as uh, receiving backs. I think initially the plan would be to have Ajay as your feature back, but the thing about Ajay, and by the way, I was a former Ajay fantasy owner 
not not really big on Ajay because of that. Yeah. If, if you didn't own it for those two games, a lot of people I'm sure feel the same. Oh yeah. Very, very disappointing. But thinking about the the depth that the Eagles have, I think that you can't help but go by committee because unless Ajay really turns it up and is consistent and you know, kind of gets out there more and more. I don't, I don't know uh, if you can use him just as the feature back. You know, I you mentioned Smallwood, who I feel like is is gonna be that underrated guy that will that will kind of force his way onto the field. You know, Sproles coming back is gonna obviously command some time. You know, this this is gonna be a running back committee team but maybe not for the first couple of weeks. I think at the point uh, when they play against the Rams, it'll be full-blown running back by committee, which is why, uh, personally for me, my player of interest is Carson Wentz, just to see if he's the same Carson Wentz that he was before his injury. And who knows, maybe it may not be Carson Wentz. What if it's Nick Foles? Yeah, that was another question I had. Now, quick on a Jai... You mentioned the consistency. The only time JJ and consistency are in the same sentence is if the sentence is JJ has never shown consistency. I I would love to see it, but we're talking about a guy who at the beginning of the season before he really broke out was a healthy scratch just because they didn't straight up didn't think he was good. So it I would love to see him be relied on as a feature and I hope they give him his chance to do it. But we'll see. It's it's really too early to tell, and I think he can produce in the system, and I think it will be given if Wentz is back more pass heavy, anyways. But we'll see. Now, I do not think that we will be facing Nick Foles this week. I fully believe it'll be Carson Wentz. I think there's a chance that Nick Foles isn't even on the team if Wentz shows he's healthy and another marquee quarterback gets down. But as we know, I mean, I don't. I wouldn't feel great trading for Nick Foles as my starter. And even it's crazy to say this about a guy who just played one of the single greatest championship performance, not just in football history, but in American sports in Nick Foles. Like, I, I still don't think he's that good. I still would not feel confident if they entered a full season with Nick Foles as their quarterback. I think it has to be Wentz. And I think he will get back to form because he might have won MVP if he didn't get hurt last year. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Wentz was was the MVP of the league last year without a doubt before he got hurt. And I I kind of agree with you about Foles. I, I absolutely don't think that Foles will take over, you know, Wentz's starting role. But my question more along the line is, does this mean Carson Wentz is going to be, you know, injury prone for the rest of his career? I don't know. We'll have to see. But um, that's kind of more along the lines of my concern for Wentz. You know, if Wentz goes down, you know, this is this is Foles' team at that point. Yeah, and I don't think he will have a lot of injury concern. Um, he, obviously, with a quarterback like this, you can't rule it out, but. I I think he'll recover fine. I think they won't rush him back. He's a guy that doesn't need to play until he's 100% to 
because Nick Foles is beloved now in Philadelphia, and even if he doesn't play well week one, no one's going to really like demand Wentz needs to come back because it's a long season, and I can't really imagine Wentz being out for that long, even if he's not ready week one. But you, this, it's a guy you want 100% because you want absolutely no injury risk there with your franchise quarterback, who is really, really good, by the way. Now, am I worried about this game? And what might be the most important game of the season for the Rams, maybe for the Eagles, and maybe for the entire NFL, this might be the biggest game we see this season. I am worried, and I have this fourth on my scale, but I have the Rams winning. I think that it was a tough loss last year, and I think that they want to avenge that loss, and I think it will be a shootout. I think it will be similar to last year's game, but I do think that this time, the Rams end up coming out on top. What do you think? I personally feel like this is going to be uh, one of the tough, toughest games for the Rams this this upcoming season. But I do agree with you. I'm going to end up with the win here simply because I feel like the Rams have improved overall as a team, both on the offensive side of the football and on the defensive side of the football. And I feel like the Rams really could have won last year's game, but they ultimately gave it away. And yep. and this is kind of why I'm a little bit more confident this season because I think it's another year. the The team as a whole is is you know has the same kind of components, but enhanced in a way. And at this point of the season, they're going to be a little bit more cohesive, a little bit more, uh, have a little more chemistry. And I think in the end, that's going to be a key factor in winning this game. Whereas opposed to if they had played the Eagles earlier on in the season, I think it might have been um, a little bit tougher. And in the end, I think the Rams do squeak away with this with this uh, victory. Yeah, and it's this should be an awesome late season game. Um, if it was in Philly, the weather might make it a little bit intense, but I'm glad we got it at home, and I, I do feel confident in this one, and it's a game I hope we win. It's a, It'll be a really, really big playoff implication game, and it's kind of funny that we get, they really split it up, so where we get Minnesota early in the year, New Orleans kind of in the middle of the year, and then Philly at the end of the year. I, I like how that played out in schedule-wise. Week 16, a lot less interesting. We get we head to Arizona and take on the Cardinals, who we've talked about already. But my question is, what do you think the Cardinals will look like this late in the season? Like, what, where do you think this team will be at going into Week 16? At this point of the season, I think the Cardinals are going to just start experimenting. They're, they're not going to really be playing, you know, who they had as their projected starters in the earlier part of the season. I do think at this point, if Bradford hasn't injured himself, you know, tripping over a rock, I think Josh Rosen will be on the field and we'll see what, you know, the chosen Rosen has to do. Yeah, I think there is a chance that this is an Arizona team we get in week 16 that is pushing for the playoffs that's kind of turned around Sam Bradford he's good he's still playing David Johnson's kind of doing all the heavy lifting on this offense 
and they're pushing for the playoffs. What I expect to see is Josh Rosen, Josh Rosen, trying to get this team a win so they could creep towards maybe eight and eight. Maybe they're six and eight at this point, uh, and they drop this game, and their Jeff Fisher dream is crushed. Uh, but I do, <laughs> I do expect to see Josh Rosen this week. Is I would love for it to be interesting. I love for all four teams in the division to kind of be interesting, but I I don't think this one will be. And my my are we worried scale? I had this 14th, only ahead of the other Arizona game and Seattle only 10. My player of interest here is Larry Fitzgerald. Do you think this is the last time the Rams face off against him? No. The I agree reason with that. Being, the reason being is because this guy doesn't age. No matter what season, this guy still plays lights out, and I don't expect any different going into this season. Uh, yeah, you know, he may not produce the same numbers he did in his prime for sure, but, I, you know, this guy still plays like the intensity of a young wide receiver, and... You know, he has all the tools to make everything work for him. So, no, I I expect him to play for another season or two. Um, But then again, if you ask me the same question in the next season or two, I'll probably tell you the same thing. So, I don't know when this guy's going to (laughs) retire. No, I agree. And I think that Arizona is a team that's going to look better next season than this season. I think they have a lot of young guys that could improve. I think Rosen might show some flashes and. He's going next season looking pretty good. And obviously, David Johnson, while he's old for his amount of time in the league, he's still young and doesn't have a ton of wear and tear. So this is a team that their future prospects might be looking better than this season's. And that's why I I agree that they're not going to be in the playoff push, even though there's a chance. And fun fact about Arizona, looking at last year's standings, they finished 500. They had the second lowest point differential in the NFC at minus 66 to put that in perspective the Seahawks finished nine and seven one more win than Arizona with a point differential of plus 34 so that's a 90 point difference between teams that finish with one win difference which is wild and I think this is a win I don't think it's a very interesting game I'm assuming you also have this as a win what if I were to say no no, I'm just kidding. No, they, yeah, this is absolutely a win. I couldn't picture this being a loss at all. I, I just, you know, I, I don't think that the Cardinals are at that point yet where they can tackle a team like, like the Rams. The Rams at this point are obviously an elite team. And, you know, the Cardinals may be on their way to developing their, you know, they're kind of on the rebuild stage, but they're not there yet. Yeah, and look. This could be a trap game. Now, I trap games you don't really predict them ahead of time because they're trap games. You you think it's a game you're going to win and then you don't because you're playing a tough team in your division that knows you pretty well. Arizona fits that bill. They have a guy in David Johnson who could just go out and just flat out destroy you. And I don't think that's going to happen, but two division games to end the season and a game coming off a big game against Philadelphia. I I don't have any worries here, but the, the trap prospects are there because of how unworried we are. I, I just want to throw that out there. I ultimately think we win that game. I think it'll be fine. But 
don't want to get too confident in our newfound the Rams are good thing we got going on. Um, and another game that could potentially be a trap game to end the season, we host the San Francisco 49ers in what feels like an every year thing to end the season. We get San Francisco. My question, and I think the biggest question here is, will this be a game that is a battle for playoff seeding or playoff qualifying, or will it just be a wash like it was last year? Well, I predict this game will be Sean Mannion versus Jimmy Garoppolo once again. (laughs) I think that, because I'm slightly less high on the Rams than you, I think this game will probably matter for the Rams going for the one seed. Um, I, at this point I have them 12 and three and a spoiler, I think they're going to win this game. I think they'll finish 13 and three and I don't think there will be an outright, you know, 12 and four gets you by. I think 13 and three, given that the Rams, the Vikings, the Eagles, they all play each other. I think that's going to be the benchmark for winning the conference. And I think the Rams are going to win this, need this win. And I don't know if the the 49ers will be battling for a playoff position. I don't think they will. And I guess my player interest here is Garoppolo in that you think when we get to this point, it'll be another, we got Garoppolo, we're thrilled, we love him, we're happy we paid this guy. Or do you think it will be more of a, where's the Jimmy Garoppolo that won us five straight games last year and why, why are we here now not looking good? Well, the one thing about 49er fans is they'll always kind of praise their quarterbacks. You know, they're still kind of living in the Joe Montana, you know, Steve Young era. You know, I remember, (laughs) uh, you know what? Jeff Garcia, too. Oh, yeah, there was Jeff Garcia also. (laughs) Uh, I I also remember, you know, Kaepernick, when, when Kaepernick was supposed to be, you know, the next Steve Young. And be be the guy to lead the 49ers back to the World Se- uh, to the Super Bowl again. Well, I'm thinking baseball right now. <laughs> hey, hey, you know I'm excited. the The Dodgers just traded for for Dozier. Okay, going back to the topic. There you go. Uh, the Mets suck, so I'm not excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you're not a sellout Yankee fan. No, no, I, I had to go against the grain when get my local team. That's like my one local team. Well, well, as far as the uh, the 49ers are concerned with with Garoppolo, I I do have a lot of faith in Garoppolo. I do buy into his hype a little bit. I don't know if I'm as high on him as 49er fans are, but I do think that they have something here with him and they'll they'll still be happy with him because in the end, I do think that the 49ers will have a decent record. I see them finishing like in this nine and seven range, I, I think that they're going to be a decent team. But again, I see this as the same kind of deal as last season, where the Rams are just going to rest their starters. I don't see them starting really anybody like they did last season. And even if they were battling for, uh, you know, a one seed, I still don't. You know, I still see McVay doing the same exact thing and not starting. You know, a guy like you know, Goff or Gurley or anybody like that. I see this as the Rams' second loss of the season here. Damn. Okay. I got this one as a win. And, yeah, in terms of Garoppolo, I think if I was a 49er fan, I would 
be very confident in, but I would also have a little bit of PTSD going back to Colin Kaepernick kind of killing it in a small sample size and then getting a big payday. And you know he probably deserved the payday. He he got them to a Super Bowl. Uh, he had some help, but he was he was a good player for a while there. And now Garoppolo, I think I'm more confident just because he's more of a pro style quarterback. Um, he's more of you're more confident in his arm strength. Whereas with Kaepernick, there was a lot of other stuff that made you really like him, and his his arm was fine, but it was it was I don't think it was as good as Garoppolo. So even if the 49ers aren't great at this point. I think it will fall somewhere in between the propositions I had. I think they'll be a little disgruntled if they're not good, but I don't think they're going to be ready to give up on Garoppolo unless he's really bad, which I can't imagine. Now, am I worried about this game? I had this 6 out of 16 because of a lot of the reasons I just mentioned with that Arizona game in my little trap game rant there. This kind of gets all the same thing. Now, if this, this game might not even matter, and it might just be a loss, like like you have it, which is very possible. And, of course, I'm not confident Sean Mannion will win us anything. Um, <laughs> but, you know, if this is a game that matters, and I can't imagine it's a game that will matter for the Rams to make the playoffs. I think they're going to be locked in at this point. But it is a game that could matter for playoff positioning. And it's also a game that could matter for the 49ers to get into the playoffs, which, again... I don't expect, but it could. And even if that's not true, I think this is a rival. This is a team that's capable. This is a team that if they're not going to the playoffs, you can be damn sure they're going to want to end the year at a high note with a nice Jimmy Garoppolo game so that the fans will still be excited and still be trying to fill out that new stadium they got out there in San Francisco. So I have my concerns here, but I think it's a win. I don't think – I. well, I guess I do think it will be close because it's a rivalry game and these games tend to happen. Or – there's a chance that it just ends up being what you described in a Sean Mannion uh, game like that. We see a lot of Josh Reynolds for the first time all season, maybe some Tyler Higby, and we lose by 25. But I think this game will matter more than we think, and I do think we get a win here. You dissing my boy Sean Mannion, man. <laughs> man, I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope he proves <laughs> me wrong. I want to see him light it up in the preseason, but – as we've learned in the past many, 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 many times, a backup quarterback is very important. And oh, yeah. we've had some scrubs that we've rolled out. Outside of Austin Davis, my boy, uh, we've, we've had some bad quarterbacks in there. No one has forgotten Keith Null yet, and that was over a decade ago. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, Has it really been a decade? I'm pretty sure it's been a decade, or at least this year will be the decade point. But so, closing it up, you have the Rams finishing 14-2. and two, And so you don't think the last game will matter. You think they'll have it locked up, the one seed. I- I'm sorry, it was nine years ago. 2009 was the infamous Keith Null game. No disrespect to Keith Null. I'd love to have him on the podcast. I think that would be a, a wild conversation. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> I have them 13 and 3, you have them 14 and 2, very close and you have a gimme loss in there. So, that's it. You think the Rams are going to go into the playoffs as the number 1 seed? Yes, I do. And I I do have another prediction. Uh I I predict that we will have Keith Noll on the show at one point and um I hope you do like a face-to-face interview with him because it might be another uh 
former quarterback attacking a you know on-air person (laughs) (laughs) that would be awesome (laughs) i mean obviously i would hope you're okay but (laughs) no no look uh if we i'm gonna hit up keith no no if we get him on the show i'm gonna be respectful i'm obviously gonna ask him about the game but i you know i'm not gonna be like why were you terrible like it's you know i gotta keep professional (laughs) but yeah i hope we get him on the show um but yeah, so I have the Rams thirteen and three. I'm not committed to saying that they will be the one seed yet, but I do feel like we will get a first round bye, which will be very nice. Uh, the first first round bye since two thousand the two thousand three season, right, where we went twelve and four and lost to Carolina, and mm-hmm. hopefully we pick up our first playoff win since oh four when we went eight and eight. And somehow got a wild card and won a playoff game, which is another topic for another day. But I, I'm i confident we're going to win a playoff game. I'm not ready to say we're going to win the championship. But I think that this team will be playing for the NFC Championship and will have as good of a shot as going and winning to the Super Bowl as anybody. And we'll save my full prediction on if they will win the Super Bowl for another day. Let's say that because I'm not ready to make that call. I don't know if you are. Well, I mean, it's... To be honest, it's kind of early to say any prediction, but as of now, as of how I see this team, before all the injuries that happen in preseason, this is how I see the the Los Angeles Rams right now. I see them as a 14 and 2 team and might be a contender for a Super Bowl championship as of now. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that first playoff win is going to be a big hurdle for a young team. I think since we both think we'll get a bye, it'll be against a good team. And I think that's going to be a test. And I think if we get past, I think I'm more worried about this that first game than I would be about the NFC Championship just because they shake the jitters out there. I think they're going to be feeling really good, and I think they will be kind of rolling. But we'll see what happens there. Uh, any Any final thoughts on our run-through of the schedule? I think we're going to have a lot of people with me and against me and probably with within against you as well, because even though I'm kind of the more optimistic of us both, um, you've only got one less win for us than me. So thirteen and three is is quite a is is quite a season. You know, yeah. it may not be the number number one seed, but it would definitely be a first round bye, I think. Yeah, and I agree. I think uh my Seattle loss that I picked might rattle some cages, but that was just kind of a gut feeling. We're a much better team than Seattle, but uh, we'll see. I, I I think I just, as a USC fan, no offense, UCLA boy, uh, I, I just like, I respect Pete Carroll too much to think that he won't respond to that game. But anyways, offense I think taken, I don't... <laughs> I, I think that'll about wrap it us up. Wow. We've been talking for a while. We just recorded two podcasts. I think that'll about wrap it up for us here. Don't forget to follow Rams Talk on Twitter at TalkRams. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Rams Talk. Don't forget to join our Rams Talk room on Facebook, which is where we discuss the podcast and the articles and just the Rams. If you want to talk directly, directly, hit us up on the Rams Talk room. If you don't want to get there, find us on Facebook. We'll let you know. 
if you see our post on Reddit, give them an upvote. If you see our podcast anywhere, give it five stars. And, of course, subscribe on all the platforms. You can find me on Twitter at Steve Ribeiro. You can find Johnny at Johnny5, not 6. Huh, that was fun, Johnny. I think we're ready to go, right? Yeah, can we give some football in my life? I, I definitely need it. Next week, we're er, Thursday. I think this podcast might actually come out after the first preseason game, which I believe features our my beloved now Bears, right? Yep. Yeah, so uh, by the time this episode comes out, it'll either be game night or that game will have already happened, and we'll be gearing up for the Rams showdown with the Ravens. So for Johnny Gomez, this is Steve Ribeiro. We'll talk to you next week. type of drama. Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rivals. The battle of the lane is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.